This is A is for Adversity, a podcast about curating your life stories to connect more deeply with others. Some stories may have Christian undertones, and all stories will involve a realization or transformation of some sort. I'm your host, Jen Banks. This is episode D, Defining Moments with Sherry Fernandes. Before we get into my interview with Sherry, I wanted to talk about storytelling a little bit. Because I don't know many professional storytellers, the guests that I have on this podcast are not trained to be a storyteller. However, through our conversation, I will highlight storytelling tips along the way. Eventually, you'll be able to hear a crafted story, whether it's told by me or a professional storyteller such as Matthew Dix. One of his stories will be featured in an upcoming episode. As you listen to this podcast, I hope you too will become a better storyteller. D is for decisions. Storytelling is all about decisions. Because I love the word curate, I like to think about curating our life stories to connect more deeply with others, as I say in my intro. A lot of times, people just say the first things that come to their mind. They share stories without giving it much prior thought. A few little tweaks here and there can make you a much more engaging storyteller. I love the phrase defining moment. I feel like if we look at our lives and identify those defining moments, that will lead to some great stories. So now on to my conversation with Sherry Fernandes and a few of her defining moments. She is the author of the book that was recently released, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Towards an Infinite Potential. Find it on Amazon. So how are you? So good. How are you? Where are you guys living at now? I should know this, but I don't. It's okay. We're living with my in-laws in Salt Lake City. Well, near Salt Lake City. Oh, wait, I didn't know that. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I thought you were still here somewhere locally, just got a house or something. Nope, I wish. <laughs> I'm not really sure exactly all I'm going to share. I just, I was actually, <laughs> I was on my knees trying to decide and I was kind of going through several things. And then I just, I mean, it was like seriously over 20 minutes. And I, I had thought it'd been like five and I just looked at my watch. It was one minute to 12. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> So I just figured the spirit will, the spirit will figure it out. For sure. Yes, that works so that's great. Why you edit. That's why you do this in bed so you can edit it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the great thing for sure. It's not live. Right, so you can just edit it out. If I talk too much, you can just edit it out. I identified a defining moment for you in your book because I was looking through it, deciding what to talk about. And it was where you and Ken were in the car and you felt like that was the moment where you decided that there was a correlation between progression and happiness. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was just really cool that you could identify that moment because those moments of transformation are real or realization are really important. Yeah, that was, uh, it's like, it was like kind of vaguely there in the back of my mind, both because you know, if you feel better when you're doing the right thing and we know that we're destined to become gods ourselves, right? And we have this huge infinite potential I call it infinite potential. I mean, we have that. I don't, I don't write my book for an obvious audience necessarily, but we would say we can be like God. That is our infinite potential. So you know all that, and that's what you want. But to really say this is what will make us happy, it makes sense once you put it that way. They're not really clicked. And that was, um, that was probably maybe 20 years ago. It would take a few years. We were listening to Brian Tracy, and, and that's when I started doing written goals or written affirmations. So, yeah, that was a defining moment, but that was able to – Helped me not so much for me personally work harder, but for me to be able to teach it better when I could when I could teach that concept. Yeah, I like that. If I could say something about 
motivation, a couple of things, uh, and you talk about defining moments. This was actually kind of a defining moment with the book was I've been asked for, I'd speak somewhere and somebody says, you should write a book. I'm like, yeah, that's not me. I'm a speaker, not a writer. I, I don't really feel like I need particular talent writing. But things just sort of came together. And then, and COVID hit, and I was doing some workshops. I was doing some things. I still don't know, I mean, particular, I still coaching, so I didn't like, I needed to. Uh, I wasn't doing anything. I was still coaching. We, that, we didn't, that never stopped. But I, uh, I was starting to feel like I didn't have all this stuff in my head. And I thought, this is going to die with me. You know, I've got all this information and all these things I've learned, all these things I teach. And what will happen with it when I'm gone? And I'm 65. So, you know, I'm just like, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go anywhere. Right away. But I thought, what's going to happen to this? Is, and uh, so that was a bit of a defining moment. And then a few voices, the, the guy I was coaching, my husband, a coach I had, several people were saying, yeah, it's time to write a book. It's time to write a book. I thought, well, I guess I can just write the way I talk. But that, um, that idea of having all that stuff in my head and wanting to put it on paper, that's one thing. The other thing uh, I would say is I am passionate about human. I just think people are so amazing. And they can be amazingly bad sometimes. But there's, there's, there's so the potential of people is so huge. It's just so, I mean, it's like awe-inspiring. And if I can help people, I came a long ways myself and I, I think I could have done better if I'd had my book when I was 20 and I would have used it. Um, I just think it's just amazing what people are capable of. I mean, we really are capable. You can see from my perspective why it is that we are higher than the angels and why we can be like gods. Mm. Beautiful. Yes. I wanted you to speak for a moment to the order of the book and how you decided that. I know when I was reading the section about your physical self, you mentioned that that's the first or that's the most important aspect and then other things seem to fall into place. So I just wondered if the others had an order too, or if it was mostly just the physical first and then it just kind of went. No, the whole thing. um, Yeah, it definitely has an order. And that first section is why, because if you don't, the day-to-day work of personal development is a lot of work and it can just feel like really mundane sometimes. Like I got to get my workout again, or, you know, I've got to, read my scriptures again today or whatever it is, you know, everything about personal development is about having good habits and daily habits and what you do every day. Well, it it can get kind of boring if you don't have some really good reasons to do it. Right. So the first check, the first section, why is about why, why should I do this? And you want to keep that why in front of you. So when you have what I call the doldrums and halfway through developing a good habit, you can say, Oh yeah, that's, I'm looking for this, you know, lean rip body or um, I want the, prove to the Lord that I love him because I'm reading my scriptures every day. I want to be scriptorian or whatever your, your big dreams are. And then the kind of person you're trying to become. So all those became your why. And hopefully the idea that happiness comes from progression, even though it can be a lot of work, like, Oh, I don't want to go work out again. You always feel better and happier because you worked out. than if you didn't, for example, right. We learned that like, yeah, I ate a tub of ice cream. I really thought that would make me happy, but I guess it didn't. <laughs> yes. So we learn that we're happier when we do the right things too. But sometimes it's just not enough. Somebody just need to, uh, I'm happier. And besides that, I want to climb Mount Bora next uh, month. And if I don't go on my daily hike, right, then it's not going to happen. So just keeping your why. So that's the first part. And then what is those eight areas? But I learned at the gym, this is what you're referring to. I learned at the gym when I was there and I was doing um, personal development. We had a first personal development segment called Fit Life. Um, I would watch the people, they, my LDS people, when they first talk, when they first come in and want help, I'd say, well, if you're not praying, reading your scripture and stuff, you need spiritual help to get yourself fit. 
But I noticed over the years, it actually worked more the other way. Like they'd start getting more fit, working out consistently. Then they seem to be more uh, prone to and want to and more desire to do spiritual things. Hmm. And so I kind of watched the progression of what was interesting to people, what they kind of moved as a rule and moved from this to this to this. After that, spirituality was often, even with people who claimed they didn't have an interest in spiritual things, became interested. So, and then character. You know, we, we talk a lot about personal development and we talk about success and money and whatever, but who you are as a person is like ultimately the most important the end result of working on all the other areas. So that's yeah. why they had the last. And then of course, health. And that's the boring, most boring chapter I know, but it's the one that other books don't have. Like I've, I've read I can, I, hundreds of motivational books and programs and very rarely does anybody give you very much of how and they don't really ever give you the tools of how. For me, that's where the rubber meets the road, you know, to be motivated, but not to be given how to make that thing happen is frustrating. And it's been frustrating to me. So I made sure that was there. I don't care how boring it is. You got to read that part. <laughs> yeah, I did not think it was boring. I totally agree with what you're saying. And that's what I was going to touch on too, is that how is so important because you hear all these great ideas, but you don't know how to implement them exactly what you're saying. So if you go to read a book, it's motivational, there's no how. And when the motivation wears off, you're back where you started. It's like a diet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the diet's over and you're back where you started because you didn't change, nothing changed. Yeah. And what you're talking about totally resonates with me because I've started things. And usually starting is the easy part for me. I know it's hard for some people is getting started. but And then if I don't keep at it or if I don't really develop that habit, then like you said, you're right back where you started. And so I really loved how you highlighted the need for a system. And once that system is in yeah. place, it keeps running like a well-oiled machine as long as you follow the steps. And so that was really helpful for me in figuring out the how and seeing that, oh, as long as this is in place and I follow it, then it'll keep me going. It will remind me. It will keep it on the forefront of my mind and keep me accountable. Right. Systems, it's all about systems. Hello, skip the goal setting process. You can actually do that with most of your goals. You don't have to set, make the goal. You can just go right to the implementing it in the system. So the beginning's like honeymoon phase. It is pretty easy. I mean, getting the actual start of the first day, but once you get going, you got this honeymoon phase, then you have this doldrum phase and it's just like, oh, it's all you can do to get out and get it done. But if you stick through it and you just don't let up, if you drop some days, you're going to make it worse or you'll quit. You can just push through that doldrum phase and it becomes who you are. So I love too how you included quotes throughout your book. We've talked about that before, but we both have that passion for quotes and the written word. But my favorite one in there was by Dave Ramsey. And he said, without a mission statement, you might get to the top of the ladder and then realize it was leaning against the wrong building. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Yeah. So true. Yeah. <laughs> it happens to so many people. I think this is what I thought I wanted. Oh, that wasn't what I wanted. It. Especially if it's in the pursuit of wealth or not there's anything wrong with that. But if it's too, or anything that's too imbalanced. Um, yeah, if you can, you start pursuing the wrong things. That's why a mission statement kind of keeps you balanced a little bit and on track. While we're on that subject, what's your favorite quote? Uh, it's Helen, it's Helen um, Keller. It's been said a couple of different ways, but she says, life is not a daring, joyful adventure. Life is nothing. And that's a little off on that quote, but that's my, one of my very favorites. But I, they, I, they just come out of my mouth. I just rattle them off all the time. So um, true. Sometimes I misquote them a little bit. Right. Between, another one I really like is between stimulus and response, there's a space and in, light, in that space lies our freedom to choose. 
that's another one of my favorite. That's Victor Frankl. And uh, Stephen Covey quotes that in his book, I think, quite a bit. Yeah, that's really good. Both of those. I love them. Yeah, my friends tell me that I often speak in quotes because I have one for every topic. And so I can just see where they fit. It's kind of like quoting movies, but... I have a book just about that. You'll like it. I've got it all put together. I just need to get it formatted and get it out. The problem is I keep thinking of other ones I want to put in there, finding ones I want to put in there. So it's sort of like the never-ending journey. Yes. (laughs) It'll never be actually be publishable because I'll have something else I want to add. Yes. And then the minute it is published, you'll think of even more things. So true. Yeah. Oh, well, there'll be the books that way too. You know, those things. I think, I wish I would put that in the book, but I try yeah. not to go there too much. Well, I look forward to it. Does it have a title? The quote book? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably Life, <laughs> I mean, Life Mastery. Everything's branded Life Mastery right now. So my workbook's been rebranded for uh, Life Mastery because that's what I use when I uh, work with people and we're um, starting to set up a mentoring coaching program using life mastery principles and uh, got a few people who are working on that project. And so we'll probably just brand everything life mastery, just, you know, it's just a brand. This is what you do for. Right. Yeah. Um, keep it consistent for sure. Keep it consistent so people recognize it when they see it. So. Yeah. That's great. Oh, life mastery quotes. <laughs> I don't know anything fancier than that. Right. No, that, that works. Simple. Simplicity is great. A lot of times. How fancy my title is in my book. You know, it took me forever to come up with a title and I was like, fine, I'll just call it life mastery. <laughs> yeah. Covers all the bases. Are you taking clients then? I never take more than three. And right mm-hmm. now I have one and we're just, we've been working together about 12 or let's see, 12 months, 13 months. And I think we're just, finishing up and just we're kind of like a as needed basis at this point uh, but he's been great it's been really fun to have him and actually um i was coaching him during the writing of my book so it was hel- able helpful for me to be able to say this is why i do in coaching okay get, put that in the book and you know it, it helped me solidify some things and remember what i need to include oh, oh yeah i need to put that in the book as i was doing coaching so i could so basically the book's my coaching program so yeah i have three right now i would take uh, more I'm gonna to have to charge more and um, that's just fine I mean I'm worth it I just I just I don't know for sure <laughs> I don't have a good answer to that question no, yes I would okay. take somebody it, it would have to be let me go back I have probably will need to charge a little bit more I just need to and should do that anyway I need to be need to do that for a long time and the other thing is they'd have to be somebody that I really want to work with which I already am pretty picky mm-hmm. about who I work with I'm pretty particular if people aren't uh really willing to make changes and go for it and do the work then you know i I don't some people just want to talk about their stories and that doesn't work for me that's not going to be a good that maybe a counselor somebody for that i i don't want to go once you can tell me your story once (laughs) and then and how you got where you're at once and then i'm i'm not interested anymore i just want to do the work and go to work i don't like following this stuff you know yes not my jam Got it. Yeah. Well, I was just curious because I think about the time that I reached out to you and asked if I was a good candidate for coaching, you know, and I regret all the time not taking that opportunity because right then it was the money that was the factor, you know, but looking back, that's such a lame reason. Like you can always get more money and the value far exceeds what you pay. And since I learned that lesson, I am working right now with a life coach who's a physical trainer type and I paid double what I would have paid with you. And so it's, it's crazy. Cause when I, as good as me, <laughs> right. Right. I know does, doesn't have a, I could have done that and the other stuff too. <laughs> right. And doesn't have as much life experience. So true. But yeah. 
I'm learning a I ton of too. I'm sure I told you you were really good candidate, though, didn't I? So you would have been, I mean, I think you'd been, I think I offered you a, a, a deal because I thought you, I do, I'm t- prone to do that. Somebody that I think would be particularly good. I'm prone yeah. to offer you a deal. You did. I know. I let my husband tuck me out of it and I shouldn't because if I, if I want something, then I need to go for it and reach my goals, you know, because. You probably know this already, but maybe for your audience, they don't know it. If somebody's out there thinking, oh, maybe I should do coaching or maybe I, or mentoring or whatever, that very successful people, and you'll hear this frequently from very successful people, especially in this day and age, but even in times past, they spend an inordinate amount of their income on coaching, not just coaching, but going to motivational programs. We went to, um, the Dave Ramsey leadership, entrepreneur leadership in May. And can I both went $4,000 a ticket worth every cent. And I tell about being in the, in the book and it's not like, I mean, it's a lot of money for anybody. It's not like I can't afford that. But when I did the Darren Hardy um, workshop, that was two and a half days. And I paid, uh, I think for everything, I think I paid $13,000 for that, not counting my airfare and that kind of stuff. And it was worth it. It's just, you can't put a price on who you're on help somebody helping you become. Just make sure. Can I put a plug in for something that's important to me right here? Yeah. Uh-huh. For your audience. If you're thinking about getting a mentor or a coach, just make sure they're on higher ground with you, that they live what they're teaching. It's so frustrating to me to see these people who were unemployed for the last five years, or this one guy said, I have this one guy's doing coaching. He's like, Well, I failed at sales, I failed at this, so I thought I'd try coaching. I'm like, well. <laughs> I don't make sure that the person that's coaching you practices what they're telling you and they practice it for long enough that they've seen results. Cause otherwise, what do they know? You know, and I know it's hard to find people like that, but they're out there. Agreed. Some of you admire some it's on higher ground in every area. My sister was paying some big money for a coach and uh, he got divorced and she was like, oh, you know, she'd liked him so much, but it kind of was like frustrating for her because she said, well, Am I taking advice from it? Can't stay married. So, yeah. yeah. But things happen, of course. Nobody's perfect. But. Right. Yeah. This lady I'm working with, she said something profound when I was debating whether I was going to work with her or not. And we talked about all the things. It was sounding great. I wanted to do it. And she's like, okay, this is the part. Are you really committed? Because once I drop the price and you back out, that shows that you really weren't committed, you know? And so money can't be a factor in your decision. And so I was like, yep, I'm committed. I want to do this. And so then she said the price and I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. But yeah. And she tells me all the time too, like, oh, you're like the golden client or whatever, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I just wanted to highlight the fact again, that you said that, you have to be ready. It has to be your journey. She can't, nobody can drag you to the finish line. You have to be the one that. Yeah. You have to be the one that does it. the work. I can, I can teach the principles. I can get, help you find your why. I can tell, teach you how to find your why, but you still have to do the day-to-day work and that's what you can't do. I've just started with a client and we just started and I'm a little iffy. And it, it was great. I think this is going to be great. But when it came down, did some work, it was a little <laughs> Yes, so we're going to see how this week goes. I may not have a client next week if, if, if it doesn't go very well because uh, this works sort of in a, let's see if this works, you can have your money back kind of situation right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, the other thing is, and I always tell people this, I don't probably, I probably didn't say this to you because just probably the setting was probably a church or whatever, but if you don't see that you're going to make more money than I, what I've charged you to coach right away, I mean, they'll give back your money because the, the reality is, you won't recoup that. You probably see that already. If you're going to somebody good, you're going to recoup 
all that you paid and it's not going to be like way down the line it will be in the very near future you'll recoup that just by the goal setting process just how it works you just you'll recoup it by the focus and it just happens everybody's making more money by the time i'm done with them than when i started yeah and my mindset has changed a lot regarding money i i see it a lot differently now and it's i feel like healthier (laughs) to view it that way (laughs) and you gotta watch it the mormon culture because we do have some some warped ideas sometimes about money, both on both sides of it, like too, too much of a sellout to get it mm-hmm. or thinking it's not important because the more wealthy we all are, the more means the Lord has to get his work done. So true. Yes. And along with what we were talking about, how you need to be motivated and driven by your why is I was looking through your book, trying to decide what points I wanted to talk about because there were so many and a few of them I chose because they started with the letter D because this is the D episode. So this sentence you said was, don't let dreams get derailed. So that goes right along with it. And there was three D's in there. So don't let dreams get derailed. You know, you just got to have your why and just stick to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's so easy to happen, right? And that's because moms are kind of prone to this. Like, um, oh, but I've got all these people to take care of. And the best thing you can do for your children is live and let them see how you live. You think, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself for my kids. Would you be happy if your daughter sacrificed herself or weight or health or well-being or spirituality for their children? You'd be ticked, right? The best thing you can do for your kids is take care of yourself. Jim Rohn was fond of saying, you take care of you for me and I'll take care of me for you. Mm-hmm. And so you're number one. You're absolute number one. I had six kids and they learned pretty quick. If it was during my workout, in the time I worked out, because after I started teaching seminary, I could work out in the morning. I'd work out at nine o'clock. I'd work out at nine o'clock. You forgot your lunch, and it's between nine and ten o'clock. Sorry, you. I'll be there. Or your homework. I don't care. You know, unless you're bleeding or are dying, <laughs> I'll get to you when I'm done with this thing. Yeah. Because and it taught my kids to do the same for their kids, and not only that, but also taught them to value themselves. And to value me and to not be, take advantage of me. So you don't, but we feel more important. We're going around putting out fires. It makes us feel important. We're solving this, we're solving that. Something needs this, something needs that. But really all it is is, is uh, busyness. It's like pawing the ground is one, one, I think it was Winston Churchill said, it's like pawing the ground. Nothing's really happening. You just feel like you're doing something important. And, yes, I love so it. Put yourself first, you moms. In the, you know, not like you need a, massage and a manicure every day or something but your personal development if you're not reading your scriptures working out praying if you're not those things just in reading doing your own education those things just have to come before everybody else yeah so good love it disciplining your time okay and then another d point from your book was your dent in the universe i really liked that i'd never heard it that put that way before but you know your sphere of influence or how you affect other people goes back to what you were saying with wealth that the more you have the more you can help others too and putting yourself first then you can help others that was steve jobs of course and uh, yeah right the more you have the more you can difference you can make in the world like if i had to go and i saw this lady this is no joke i saw this lady at the airport she's working in a fast food restaurant a really cheap little place at the airport, which the airport's going to be the worst place in the world. She had to be 80. She had to be mm-hmm. 80 years old. And I'm thinking, what in the world has happened to this woman that she has to be doing fast food in an airport at 80? And she, I mean, she was old. Um, the sooner we can get ourselves financially independent, the more freedom we have to get out and make a difference. I think that woman's making a difference in the world. She can barely survive, obviously. So as soon as we can get past survival into 
comfortable and self-sufficient, then we've got the freedom and the obligation to go make a difference, however we feel guided by the Spirit. Yes. I love it. And again, I just loved your book so much. I felt like every sentence was packed with wisdom and insight. Oh my goodness. It was just so good to read. I feel like it was very well thought out and just put together so beautifully. So good job. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. And thank yes. you for your review. And it's but sold really well. We've sold over 7,000 copies. Wow. About 7,000 copies. We've sold about That's a great way to make your dent in the universe or just influence other people with the things that you have learned. I love how you're able to pass that on through a book. That's very neat. A great legacy too. A really, really good takeaway I felt when you talked about marking books that you read and, or maybe not marking them, but at least writing down what you read or recording your favorite points so that then you have a library to look back on of what you learned from each book. And I love that because I look back and say, oh yeah, I read that book, but what was it about? Or things like that. And so I feel like Again, if people would use that takeaway and also apply it to your book, that would be very helpful too. And reread and reread, of course, too. But I loved that takeaway. So it was invaluable to me in writing my book because I was able to go back and see some of those notes. But the other books that I have, they're all, and I've used red pen. I'm not even apologetic. And I'll write at the back, I'll write notes. Um, and then when I go to write them, and I don't always do it, has a book has to be pretty good before I'll put it in a journal. But when I go to rewrite into a journal, there's, it's just all underlined there and my thoughts, I'll write in the borders. My scriptures look like they're 100 years old and they're only like about a dozen years old. And they look like, I know people think, oh, she's had those scriptures. I'm like, no, I can wear out some scriptures and, about, and all this red ink in them, you know, but that's how I do it. But, you know, the books are like workbooks. All of our books should be like workbooks, including the scriptures. Just mark them up. They're not going to hurt anything. They're cheap nowadays, right? If you mark it up and they don't like it, you can buy another one for 12 bucks, you know, buy the next paper book or scriptures for 20 so yeah, I'm a big, uh, and all my books are like that. So I don't know if people will hate them when I die and want them or, or, or love them and want them. <laughs> yeah, but I love that. So, so good. How can people get in touch with you if they want to talk to you more about your book or coaching or anything? I'm amazingly available and hope to stay that way. But I really want to have a call schedule on my website where people can schedule a 15 minute call with me and just, just because I want to do it, be available to people. Yeah. Um, you can get, you can email me on the website. It's sharing at lifemasteryinfo.com and you go to the website and I think the contact information should be there. Not the website thing's not my, really my jam. <laughs> Somebody else says that, but I think I'm on there. Simply it's supposed to be on there. You can also download some, so there's several downloads you can do on the website too. And uh, so that way also, of course, Facebook and I am on LinkedIn. I'm a little slow on that one. Uh, so I wouldn't probably advise it, but uh, you can message me. Uh, I'm pretty easy and I'll, I'll respond as long as I can. Now I don't know what that book is going to do to my life. We have a, I have a media tour <laughs> in a way it's my, it's my first one, but I have a media tour that's being set up as a national media tour. I'll be doing uh, 30 podcasts in 90 days on national forums. And wow. So that's really cool. That was been set by Jackie Lappin. I don't know if you know her, but you might be interested in looking into her a little bit, but she set that up. And cool. of course I paid her for that, but that's going to be really, I don't know what that will mean to my life, but. As long as I can be available, I will be. I'll be as available as I can. Well, I feel so spoiled to have you on my podcast and <laughs> so fortunate that our paths did cross. <laughs> well, I'll, be on your, I'll be on it again if you want. I'll, I'll be on yours. You're so sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really, really appreciate it. You look really pretty, by the way. Oh, I've been thank you. To tell you that the whole time, but you look great. <laughs> You're so sweet. Oh, thank God. you.
You look great. And you do too. You age very gracefully. <laughs> yeah, I am aging. I'm picking right along there. But um, I've been growing my hair out. Do you see this? Yes. It's beautiful. COVID, it's my COVID project. You have to do something during COVID. Yes. Like a, and just write a book. So I wrote, wrote a book and grew my hair. If you'd like to pitch your story for the podcast, or if you want more storytelling strategies, contact me at jenbanks16 at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at jenbankscoaching.